Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam, and we have a great podcast today. I'm going to be answering questions about uveitis. Is colloidal silver good for your eye health? Do pharmaceutical drugs affect glaucoma? And can you explain the N-palm hum? Stay tuned. folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. Well, we have a fantastic show today, and I think I'm going to get right into question one. So this is a question from Chad, and he is suffering from a condition called spondylitis. His doctor wants to prescribe a medication called Actar, and he's concerned about uveitis. So there's a lot to unpack here. Let's start here. First of all, in spondylitis, uh, this can be a type of arthritis. Sometimes it actually can affect the spine. And uh, as I said, it's an inflammatory response. The drug of choice, uh, Actar, is actually not a steroid but it is a pharmaceutical drug that helps our body produce its own natural steroid hormones. And so Chad is asking, should he take this drug? Uh, what can he do to maybe uh, reduce the risk of uveitis? And uh, so what I would say is that, you know, whenever you suffer uh, chronic inflammation, uh, any pharmaceutical drugs that you're using are uh, kind of a Band-Aid approach. And in the short term, uh, it does break the inflammation cycle. But in the long term, using uh, any kinds of medications can, in fact, cause side effects. So if we look at Actar, for example, I'm looking it up, uh, some of the side effects can include actually things like stomach ulcers, changes in mood and behavior, irritability, depression, trouble sleeping, acne, dry skin, bruising or discoloration of skin. I mean, this is a common story uh, when we're uh, faced with taking pharmaceutical drugs, which is the disease-based paradigm. In my world, what I would say is that if uh, you, Chad, if you want to uh, really change this around, the question to ask is, um, you know, what are you doing to reduce the, the chronic inflammation? Um, if we talk about uveitis for a minute, uveitis is a condition in the eye. The uvea is the internal lining of the eyeball, and it actually can affect every structure, everything from the iris to the ciliary body to the choroid, which are more of the the, cover, the choroid is more of the covering, the internal covering of the eye, but uveitis can even affect the retina, the vitreous, the optic nerve. And uh, over time, if you have chronic uveitis, uh, you are more susceptible to getting conditions like uh, cataracts, macular degeneration, and glaucoma. 
A lot of it depends on where the inflammation is in the eye. And if it's in the front, the center, or the back part of the eye, uh, whatever, wherever it is, uh, you're going to get symptoms like uh, eye redness, uh, floaters, blurred vision, and even pain. Now, there are two types of uveitis. There's the non-infectious type, which is more based in the area of autoimmune uh, problems. And so we've got two things here. We've got the autoimmune factor, and we've got the chronic inflammation factor. Um, and I'll get back to those in a minute. So spondylitis would fit into that non-infectious type of, um, uh, of uveitis. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis would be another reason why we might be developing uh, uveitis as an autoimmune disease. Now, the other type of uveitis is more of the infectious type, and this is where if you have Lyme's disease, uh, TB, even a condition called H. pylori, which uh, more and more people are suffering, this actually takes place in the, the upper intestinal tract, and it creates chronic inflammation in the intestinal system. So in this particular case, I think in the short term, Chad, I would probably go for the medication. And then I would begin to really uh, investigate where your chronic inflammatory responses are. And the first place that I would look would be, you know, the microbiome. And I talk about this. Other prominent doctors speak about the importance of the good bacteria in our gut. Uh, it may be that you suffer chronic inflammation in the uh, microvilli, which uh, could be the the lining of the in intestinal lining uh, of the, of the uh, intestinal tract. This leads to things like leaky gut syndrome, candida. Um, and, you know, this is where it starts. So going to a functional medicine doctor and really getting uh, an evaluation on what's going on in your intestinal tract, I would add things like toxicities. I see a correlation between being exposed to things like uh, Roundup from uh, the company Monsanto. The glyphosate uh, is a terrible toxic uh, agent that can affect our intestinal health. Eating GMO foods is another factor. <clears throat> and we're not even talking about gluten, dairy, and sugar, which you should be getting off of anyway. Uh, making sure you're getting prebiotic and probiotics in your diet Again, a, a functional medicine doctor could help you with that. Now, in terms of the eyes, uh, there, there's some nutrients that I think are very important, things like astaxanthin, the marine carotenoid. And again, if you're going to do supplements, uh, I would do somewhere between 6 to 12 milligrams of astaxanthin, uh, about 20 milligrams of lutein, and about... Um, uh, six to eight grams, uh, milligrams of zeaxanthin. So those carotenoids are so important for our eye health. Uh, bilberry, uh, omega-3 fatty acids, and especially the DHA in the omega-3, and I would probably take between 2,000 and 3,000 milligrams of omega-3 every day. Another one I really like is trans uh, resveratrol. Uh, this is a potent antioxidant that actually helps improve and protect the nerve cells. It reduces oxidative stress. 
and you'd be looking at taking about 150 milligrams a day of uh, transresveratrol. And then there are things like ginkgo. Uh, another one top of my list is glutathione. Um, and in glutathione, because of the chronic inflammation in the eye, I would probably take about 500 milligrams a day of glutathione. Curcumin is another great um, uh, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory agent, um, green tea extract. And then one of my faves is the MSM. Now, if you can get MSM eye drops, I would use those. Uh, I'll get to the eye drops in a moment, but I'm even considering for you somewhere around 2,000 uh, milligrams of MSM powder uh, per day. I think that would also be helpful. I would consider getting some cranial sacral therapy and also um, some acupuncture to see if you could uh, reduce uh, some of the um, chronic inflammation and boost your immune system. And, uh, you know, last but not least, your visual stress is, is very important. So my eye exercises would be really helpful. Uh, so, you know, it's a complicated situation and there are many levels and layers to it. But I think that uh, if you take the medication in the short term and you... Um, um, you change your diet and you reduce your stress, I think you have a good chance to neutralize some of the, uh, you know, the risk factors that are causing the, uh, the uveitis, which is probably triggered by the spondylitis and the chronic inflammation pattern. So, Chad, best of luck to you. Uh, thank you so much for the question. Let's go to question two. Uh, this is a question about colloidal silver used for cataracts. This is being asked by Rachel. And I get a lot of questions about colloidal silver. And it's an, <laughs> kind of an ancient folk remedy that uh, has been used before the development of antibiotics. So it goes back uh, before... <laughs> before time, and uh, you know, I get uh, many questions about colloidal silver and how it can affect our eyes and our health. There's a certain revival in popularity with colloidal silver, and I'm seeing more and more products now, uh, especially eye drops that have um, you know, other products in it, and then they put in colloidal silver. So what colloidal silver is, is it's a suspension of silver particles that are in a liquid. And as I said, it's an ancient remedy that has been used to treat bacterial, viral, and fungal uh, infections. So it, it does have some antibacterial and antiviral properties to it. Um, no one really knows how colloidal silver works. One theory is, uh, according to some research, is that the colloidal silver uh, actually attaches itself to proteins on the cell walls of bacteria, and this actually damages uh, their cell membranes, and it leads to cell death. Now, there are many different uh, products out there that contain colloidal silver, it's not standardized very well. It's not approved by the FDA. 
And I think part of it depends on, you know, the manufacturer and the company that you may be using. Uh, certainly, the silver particles are nano in size, so they're nanoparticles. Um, and colloidal silver for the eyes uh, can be used to treat things like conjunctivitis, so that's pink eye. So if you have any eye irritation, eye redness, this would be a place to uh, try the colloidal silver if you've done your due diligence and your research uh, on whether you think the company is reputable. Unfortunately, colloidal silver is not going to work for uh, reversing cataracts and improving lens health. I have found that uh, the best method for improving lens health is to eliminate sugar, uh, reduce or eliminate the inflammatory foods in your diet, uh, to uh, make sure you're getting enough uh, glutathione and vitamin C. Uh, studies have shown that uh, if you want to improve lens health, you want to increase your glutathione sources and also uh, things like sulfur-based foods, the trace mineral, mineral selenium, uh, these would be better strategies. Um, now, it used to be when we could get them, the Cineraria eye drops, which were the homeopathic eye drops you could use. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we can get those right now. There is another uh, eye drop that's out there. It's produced by College Pharmacy, and it's an eye drop called Oculamed. That's spelled O-C-L-U-M-E-D. And this is a, a fabulous eye drop that can help improve lens health. It's all natural. It's got vitamin C and glutathione in it. So that would be a possibility. Uh, and again, if you're going to be um, you know, improving your eye circulation, you might consider things like the Optique homeopathic eye drops and or the Similiacin eye drops four to six times a, get, a day. But the key in cataracts is reducing the metabolic waste in the lens of the eye including things like visual stress, protecting your eyes against the blue light, uh, not getting too much UV light, so wearing sunglasses part of the day when you're outside. But dietary changes can work effectively well in improving lens health. So um, for the listener, uh, colloidal silver is a no for cataracts. It's certainly an experimentation you can use if you want to um, you know, reduce inflammation in the eye or you've got eye ir irritation. So thank you so much for the question. All right, this next question is from Cheryl. And she writes, hello, a few months ago, uh, the ophthalmologist said I have high eye pressure and placed me on eye drops. They help, uh, the medication helps, but it, my eye pressure still fluctu fluctuates. I own a self-tonometry device and monitor my pressure throughout the day. I'm a female and I use a topical minoxidil drops daily for the past five years for alopecia. Do you think that this drug contributes to the eye pressure? Well, this is a great question. And so minoxidil is a vasodilator and it, um, it helps in the treating of high blood pressure. So it targets the vascular health and, uh, you know, whenever we start playing around with pharmaceutical drugs, 
um, affecting our, our vascular health, this could um, affect uh, our eye pressure. And some of the common side effects of this drug include temporary edema or swelling while taking this medication. And um, this is a red flag to me because, you know, edema uh, definitely means that the circulation in these very sensitive areas of our, you know, where we have concentrated blood, ve blood vessels like the eyes, uh, this could have a serious negative effect, especially if we've taken this medication long term. So um, what I would suggest is um, reducing or eliminating the, the drug uh, for a few weeks. And since you do have a tonometer at home that you can measure your eye pressure, see if in fact it, in fact it does bring your eye pressure down. Um, and if it does, then you have your answer. Uh, so whenever we use any pharmaceutical drugs, it's very important to see what the possible side effects are, and I'm sure you've done this, uh, but I don't think they go together. I think that if you want to use this pharmaceutical drug on a short term, uh, I would be okay with that, but on the long term, I do think it puts you into a risk factor of uh, uh, having some cataract issues. So. I hope that that's helpful. Thank you very much for the question. All right, next question on our podcast. Uh, this is a, a woman, uh, Felicia, from France, and she's asking uh, what the N is in the N palm hum. She writes that she's a somatic therapist, so she works with movement, and uh, again, she lives and, and works outside of Paris, and she wants to know what, what this exercise is all about. Well, the end palm hum is a fabulous exercise that I created as part of my uh, eye relaxation protocol. This exercise also improves the eye lymph. It creates more moisture in the eyes. Uh, it reduces stress not only in the eyes, but also in the face. Uh, and it also can help balance your nervous system. So it does a lot of great things. So let me unpack it for you. The uh, palm, palming, is from the Bates method. And Bates was an ophthalmologist who practiced in the early 1900s. And uh, Bates uh, came up with an exercise where you rub your hands together, you cup them over your eyes with your eyes closed, and you do some breathing. And he called this exercise palming. And this is an eye relaxation exercise. So it actually is very uh, effective in relaxing your eyes. So in taking that exercise, I've also added the creation of sound. Because when I started to study uh, different somatic therapies, and the one that I love the best is called continuum movement. Uh, continuum is a healing practice that uses different sounds to open up the body and the body tissue. And so what we have people do is their, their palms are over their eyes. I have them breathe, breathe in through their nose. And the reason why I have them do that is when we do mouth breathing, it actually creates a heightened sympathetic nervous system response. We go into a stress response. So when we breathe in through our nose and our mouth remains closed, on the exhale, we make a humming sound and our mouth remains closed. So we're reverberating 
the sound in our mouth, our face, our jaw, and the, uh, the hands act like a tuning set of tuning forks where the sound actually goes into the eye, fascia, connective tissue, and eye muscles. And so on the exhale, you're doing the humming sound, and you put your tongue at the roof of the mouth, and you think of the letter N. Now, when you do that and you put your tongue at the roof of the mouth, this is a Taoist practice. It actually has been used in acupuncture for many years. This creates a connection of the yin meridians and the yang meridians. So there's a lot going on here. The yang is, is part of the acupuncture meridians that, um, that balance out the yin. The yang is more active. The yin is more receptive. And in acupuncture... When we uh, measure somebody's uh, pulses, we're looking at whether their energy is too yin, too yang, are they yin deficient, yang deficient. That's one way to take a look at their meridians and their energy patterns. When you do this and placing the tongue at the roof of the mouth, you are balancing the yin-yang meridians. So you're getting a bit of an acupuncture treatment as well as a sound bath so on the exhale, when you make that sound and you're containing the sound in your, in your mouth, you're going to get a reverberation of the sound all over this area. Now, if you do six or eight of those, you're going to notice when you're done and you take your hands away, two things. Your eyesight is clearer, and number two, you're more relaxed. You're more centered. You're more in your body. You're more grounded. And so this is a uh, self-care exercise that teaches you about regulating yourself on many levels all at once. Your electrical patterns, that's the acupuncture. Your fluid patterns, that's the craniosacral. And your eye tissue. So the end palm hum is fabulous for creating more relaxation and better lymph in the eyes. And the more you do it, the more benefits you get. So uh, that's the question. Thank you so much. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show today. It is a wrap. Thank you for joining me for this iClarity podcast. And um, I just want to remind you, my online four-week course is going to be happening in about six weeks. And uh, so I hope you can join me. It's October 29th is the first class. You will be able to access it 24-7, access it even if you can't be on the live call. And uh, we're going to be uh, really exploring how to improve your eyes, your vision, your health on many, many levels. So I hope you can join me. All right, everybody. Until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. The Burn Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Burn for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. 
Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.